Well, we're wrapping up this, uh, I think it's been five weeks, maybe it's been six, I lose track, but our greatest danger and our only defense. What do, we, what do we find out beyond any shadow of a doubt is our, our greatest danger? Our greatest danger is what? Pride. It's there. It's resident in, in all of us. Uh, we're easily deceived. Often we don't see it. It's, it's something we have to always be alert to it. And, and the scripture is, is clear that our, our defense, our only defense, really, is, is humility. We've got to be clothed with humility. And we need to continually humble ourselves. Um, and as we humble ourselves, we, we learned that God will give his grace to us. And in fact, whatever the circumstances, when we humble ourselves, even under the circumstance, that in due time God will exalt us because God gives grace to the humble. But what happens to the proud? He, he resists the proud. And we look at how that, that word is actually like takes on armament. It's a, it's, it's a military term. And, and God becomes our, through, through pride, becomes our, our adversary. We, we looked at how pride's the, the first sin and the primary sin and how Satan fell. And just, it's, it's great deception. We looked at several things. And then last week, we, we looked at the perfect example of humility from um, Philippians 2, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to look this morning, just at the few minutes that we have left, on the handout. It's page, your first page, on the back of your first page, is humility crushers. Um, and I told you right off the, the part that it, that it humbled me because I spelled that word wrong or I didn't catch it in the, in the word check. So I got, a, I got a, a, a humility opportunity right there the very first day. And, of course, every time you look at that, you can, you can think about that. Um, so we've looked at the perfect example, and we looked in detail at that, at that passage that you have before you. And um, as you look at Philippians 2, I'll make this note. In verse 2, make my joy complete. That's a command. It's the, it's the first command there in this section of Scripture. And then... You look at verse 5, where it says, have this attitude, that comes right back with the next command. And we got two commands here that God is saying through the Apostle Paul, make my joy complete and have this attitude. And this, this joy is complete when we have the attitude of Christ and we have the joy of the Lord. And that comes when we're humble and when we're of one mind and one spirit. And you can, you can see that can't happen if we... Think of ourselves first. And, and so that, that lays out here when we look at this text. Look at it, therefore, if there be any encouragement in Christ, if there be any consolation of love, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit, any affections or compassions, make my joy complete. How? By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, doing nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, or we could say pride, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
Then he comes right back with this command. So have this attitude. And, and then he's going to lay out Christ and Christ's attitude by his actions. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're commanded to do that. And he said, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grass, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of men. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We laid, we preached this passage to you last week and we laid it over 1 Peter 5. So we see here that as he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Peter says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that in due season he might exalt you. And you see here, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, those that are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so, Dr. Jerry Reggs had a list of uh, 12 what he called pride crushers. And I really liked them. Um, I, they helped me as I was studying this a uh, couple of years ago. And so I, I wanted to throw them out there for you. And we skipped them, said we would come back and we would, we would end here. But it's a, it's a way of learning to nurture humility uh, in, in our lives. And so uh, he puts 12 here. I'm sure there's uh, many others. But, you know, from these, there's practical principles that will help us um, continually pursue and cultivate humility in our lives. So the first one is submit to the sovereign lordship of Christ. If you've been a member for very long, maybe that would ring a bell. It's one of our pillars. We have four pillars that we talk about that the ministry rests on, the, uh, the pillar of the sufficiency of Scripture. We believe that God's word alone is sufficient for faith and practice. And, and it's to God's word alone we look. God's word is authority. I only have authority in as much as I bring to you accurately the word of God. That's where the authority is invested. And we believe that scripture is totally sufficient for everything that, that we need. We also believe in the lordship of Christ. He is both Lord and Christ. Um, they're not separate. He is one. And he is to be believed in and Lord is what? Lord is boss. He, he, he is over all. He is the sovereign God. And um, it, it's in this sovereign God that we submit to the Lordship of Christ as a church and, and individually. Our, our great desire is his will, not our own will. Because he is Lord and he is worthy of, of all of our worship, of all of our adoration, of all that we are because he is Lord and the Lordship of Christ. And then the power of the gospel. We believe in the power of the gospel. Not tricks, not gimmicks, not anything. It's the power of the gospel. And as the gospel is proclaimed, God's spirit takes it and brings dead people to life. There is no other way. All the rest of the stuff is just, is just trinkets. We believe in the power of the gospel because we believe that the gospel is proclaimed in Christ is formed in people's hearts by the power of the Spirit. 
If you're sitting here today born again, then you have experienced that through the all-sufficient scripture and through the fact that Christ is Lord and he has a people that have been given to him that he is going to keep for eternity. He's our king. And isn't it exciting? He's our king that's coming back for his church. Amen? He's coming back for you and, and for me. And, of course, we believe in the centrality of the church. The, the local church is God's plan for this age. He doesn't have plan B, C, D, E, F, G, and all the way to Z in case A doesn't work. He only got one plan, and his plan is his church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not come against it. And he's building his church. We're part of that church, and we gather to worship. We gather to speak the truth, one another to love, to encourage one another so much more as we see the day approaching. And then we scatter from here and we go out to our neighbors and our neighborhoods and to the region beyond and we declare the gospel, which is part of the totally sufficient word because Christ has told us to and we believe in the lordship of the Christ and the power of the gospel. And that happens out of our local church and other local assemblies. And so we submit to the Lordship of Christ. And every time you submit, you get grace. And, and, and you feel that conflict in your own heart when you're thinking something or you're doing something and the Spirit of God brings that conviction because you're thinking, well, I think I'm actually doing what I want to do rather than what God wants me to do. We've all been there, haven't we? We all, we all sense that. We all sense that, that tug. We used to teach the kids a little song years and years and years ago. Just two choices on the shelf, serving God or serving self. It's only two. Yeah, he's either Lord or else I've made myself Lord. We're idol factories, aren't we? We just produce and produce and produce self, self, self. And we have to continually repent of that because he is our sovereign Lord. We learn from Scripture why the cross was necessary to save sinners. There was no other way. When you think of the depravity of man and the depravity of the cross, the evil nature of it that was taken for you and me, it certainly helps us, humbles us to think that that's what it took to save you or me. Um, open your heart to the corrective work of the Spirit. If there's anything in the last 15 years that has changed my life, uh, I, I think it's the, it's the light bulb that went on that while the, while the outside is important, the heart's always the target. The heart's always the target. Larry's heart's always the target. What's going on in my heart? In my heart, why did I say that? In my heart, why did I do that? Because you can attack the outside all day long, but if you don't deal with the heart, with your own heart, with your neighbor's heart, with your children's heart, you have to, you have to go for the heart with that all-sufficient word of God and the power of the gospel because the heart is, is the issue. And you have to be open to that corrective work of the spirit. And do we sin? Of course we do. We've been looking at Romans 6 now for how long? <laughs> yes, we sin. We don't want to sin. None of us woke up this morning, I, I trust, none of us woke up this morning and said, I think I'll sin. 
No, we, we wake up and we humble ourselves before our Lord and we ask for grace and we ask to help, and yet it's a fight. Prone to, long, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Uh, we all go through that, don't we? Take my heart, Lord, and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Because sin is still resonant in us. We're dead to sin and we're alive unto God. But the battle rages until we're finally delivered and we're finally uh, home. And so it's humbling to run to God and say, I've failed. Forgive me and cleanse me and help me to grow through this and, and, and give me strength and vitality. And it's, it's humbling to rest in justification, to rest in justified. We know we're not just. We know we're sinners. But Christ has bestowed upon us his, his righteousness. And we stand in his complete work. And trusting that takes humility. But it's so freeing. It's so freeing. It's so, it's so very, very wonderful. And then, of course, we bump up against each other and others sin against us. And, you know, truly forgiving from the heart humbles you. It humbles you to sit there and, and, and think to yourself, how can I not forgive them when I think about all the things that God just forgave me for yesterday <laughs> or last week or, or, or whatever? If God forgives me, how can I not forgive somebody else? But it's, it's humbling to take yourself through that. And so when somebody sins against you, it's, a, it's an opportunity to humble yourself and, and do that battle. We don't naturally just want to forgive, do we? No, I mean, maybe you do, but I don't think so. I mean, naturally, I'd like to one-up them. And then I have to remind myself, revenge belongs alone to who? God. He's the only one that's just. He's the only one that can handle revenge. We can't handle it. We don't have the wisdom. We, there's nothing in us that would make us even close to being righteous judges. All we can do is, is fall on our face in mercy and trust the Lord even when there's been reproach and done wrong to us or done to our reputation. We, just, we trust it to the Lord and, and we forgive. We forgive and we commit our souls to him. And we let him handle it. You see all those other ones that are down there. I don't have time to go through them all. You have them. You can look at them. Embrace obscurity. Embrace not having to be noticed. Embrace not having to be number one. Um, I got all the way at the bottom. You know, do some things anonymously or do some things that would be helpful. Ah, for some of us, this would be really helpful. Get in your car and have some place to go and get behind a Sunday driver and don't pass him. Just drive for seven miles and don't pass him, however slow he wants to go, no matter how many times he hits his brakes. Just do it. Thank God for the ride. And humble yourself. There's a million other ways to do that. There's a million other ways. Be happy with the meal that you were served. Be happy with the, with the waiter or the waitress and the way she treated you. Be happy with the cashier. Go to Walmart, and even though there's a 500 cash registers and 499 of them are self-serve, and the one with the 
700 people in it is the one you want to go to because you don't want to do it yourself. And instead of getting upset, humble yourself. Do you know how many Walmarts there are in the Lynchburg area? I think seven. Do you know how much food are in those seven Walmarts? Do you know there's people starving all over the world that would wait in line for three days to have what we can have? And they would never complain once. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And recognize that as we humble ourselves, we become grateful, we become thankful, and God does an amazing work of lifting us up. You know how he lifts us up? Conforming us to Christ. Is there a greater thought or a greater privilege on the face of the earth to think that Almighty God is making you and me like his son? What is more amazing than that? And he that has begun a good work in us will complete it for the glory of God. Amen? From here, we're going to go for a while back to Psalms. I always call it the summer in the Psalms. And uh, people are moving in and out, and it'll be a, it'll be a sweet time. So uh, look forward to that in the coming weeks. In fact, this coming week, I've asked um, our good brother, Joseph Henson, is going to bring us the word from Psalms. And so be looking forward to that. Judy and I will be here and looking forward to sitting under uh, Brother Joseph. God bless you. You are dismissed.